You're listening to the Zen Sandwich Podcast. This is part two of my interview with Andy Rickles and Rob Crotline. Well, let's go to the media for a second. Uh, just personal question. What are your, both of you, uh, what are your sources for news media? Where do you go to get news? Facebook? Um, I'm, I'm generally an NPR <laughs> guy um, as far as, as news media. You know, when I, when I, I listen to NPR generally on the way to work in the morning. Um, I, I know they probably have a lean, um, but I think it's a little more subtle than uh, a lot of the other sort of 24-7 news uh, places. Um, so, so generally mine is, is NPR. I don't trust anything I see on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's just a good general <laughs> rule. Even right. shit I say, I don't trust on Facebook. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get my news from memes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The Daily Show, right? <laughs> Rob? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a, a spectrum. Um, I, I, I think I like Andy, I do listen to NPR in the mornings. Um, and, and often in the evenings as well, when I'm driving home, um, and often though, I will peruse, um, uh, you know, sort of the web sources like CNN.com, um, uh, you know, NPR on the web, um, uh, BBC actually, uh, that's my, is, that's my first stop. BBC is one of my go-tos. And, and so, but what happens a lot is, is, um, I've seen enough to know that, you know, individual outlets, um, and not, you know, a lot of times it's not necessarily the outlet. It's really individual writers, um, are, are sometimes extremely biased. Um, and so frequently I'll go to those outlets just to kind of figure out what is the, what are the things that are happening? What are the events that are happening? And then I may not even read the story there. I'll go search for it and look for different, uh, you know, maybe, uh, I prefer original sources. If you can find, you know, the people that were involved, um, you know, who were kind of writing about things and talking about things, that's always, you know, um, one of the better sources, but, um, I, I have found that if you kind of take a spectrum approach and you look up that same event, um, across multiple platforms, you can piece together, um, especially if you kind of know where the, the biases lie, um, you can piece together an accurate picture without necessarily having to digest the, what they're trying to spoon feed you. I, I think that's critical. I, uh, sure. you know, I, I mentioned uh, BBC and uh, is where I start, but that's just the starting point for me. I start there yeah. because I want, I, you know, I, I don't live in the United States uh, right now. I live in Japan and I, um, you know, I want first an international observation of what's happening in the United States. And and I, you know, I look at the BBC closely. It, I, people will say it's a parent organization or, you know, they'll they'll try to link it to some sort of left leaning policy. I, you know what? I, I think it's you're hard pressed to say that a BBC article leans left or right. It, they sort of report the news as is for the most part. Um, but I start there and then I go maybe to NPR. I might look at The Washington Post. I know the Washington Post. I, I will be the first to admit leans left. Um, I tell you what I don't do. I don't watch MSNBC or Fox. I don't, I, I don't even bother with those yeah. two anymore because they're just, uh, they're just propaganda machines. I don't even consider them news organizations, either one. <laughs> yeah. so, that, that's a, I think there's some evidence fair. for that. I've honestly started to put the New York Times uh, in that same bucket 
um, due to some uh, uh, some very questionable reporting that I read back during the summer. Um, you know, uh, it's 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 not necessarily inaccurate. Um, it's just heavily heavily spun. Right. Uh, I don't I don't need uh, that. I, there's enough spin these days, whether it's on social media or just from so many sources. I you know. Did, did you did either of you ever watch uh the pbs it's like news hour with jim lair oh yeah yeah, yeah. that thing was yes. awesome because that dude just for two hours would report the news in this yeah. i don't want to say monotone but it just there was no excitement nope. there was nothing back. sexy about that at all i mean it was <laughs> it was, it was man, beautiful. That was the plain baked potato of the news <laughs> that was toast but, without but, butter man right. was, <laughs> right. an unsalted chicken breast <laughs> that was, oh, yeah. but it was funny I gotta right, give it to him. Right, and, and it like because the uh, because of the echo chamber that exists in not just news media but especially in social media, like people don't have a chance. I mean, I know good people who who I trust. I trusted at one point, and I love who because they because of the news that they consume. Um, I don't want to say that I've lost them. Um, but, but I know there are certain things that I can't converse with them about, um, because it's, it's like, we're having two completely different conversations. Um, even though I lean left and I would call myself, you know, fairly liberal. Um, I still want to know, I, I still want my, my information to come from as an ob objective of a source as possible. Yeah, um, I don't need somebody to tell me what to think. I can figure that out for myself. Um, right. But that's not the way that our current landscape is, and it. I mean, I think that that's one of the most harmful things, um, because having a conversation like this with a lot of people is just impossible. Um, that, and because that's there's a, no there's no right. mutually agreed on set of facts um, or source, um, and there's no mutual respect between the people talking. Mm. Um, and I feel like in in a situation like this, I have all those things. Um, right. You know, I, I mutually respect. Um, I, we can agree that there are certain things that are true or untrue, um, but it's 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 just bonkers how that is not the case for so many people. Mm. How responsible is social media and is, is social media a good or bad thing? Yes. <laughs> Without social media, um, I don't know that I reconnect with my friend Mark, who lives in Japan. True. This makes, I mean, it makes it absurdly easy to keep up with my sister who lives on the, on the West coast. Hmm. Um, I can keep up with people like that. That's a, a wonderful thing. Right. Um, but because of the, the way that the algorithms run, uh, the echo chamber that results um, with, with news and, and things like that are, is I think extremely harmful. Rob, any, any thoughts on social media? The devil's um, work. Well, you know, I, I, I think you guys probably already know, um, you know, the answer to that. I, uh, you know, to me, speech is inviolate, um, hmm. you know, even when it's dirty and even when it's <laughs> it's inconvenient and it's ugly and we don't like it. Hmm. Um, it's what this country was founded on. And I, I can totally I, get on board with that. Yeah. I think sure. social media provides uh, an amazing platform and you know this gives the ability to literally everyone 
to be able to, you know, express themselves and, uh, you know, put speech out there and, and it enables, uh, you know, uh, policymakers and, and, you know, politicians to put speech out there and then let people comment about it and talk about it. And I, I you know, I think it's wonderful. Um, I, 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 if there's if there's a problem with it, it's going you know it's going to be the censorship. It's going to be where platforms are artificially. Uh, I think Andy mentioned the uh, you know these algorithms and things. I, you know, as far as an algorithm goes, as long as it's you know just sort of it, you know it's funneling people to popular ideas and things. Um, you know that can be somewhat harmful. Um, I think it's 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 more harmful when you get people of a certain leaning who are in positions of authority within these media companies who, who try to put their finger on the scale a little bit and push out certain ideas and allow others. And, um, you know, uh, the best response to bad speech, the best response to, you know, stupid speech is good speech and, and sure. smart speech. And, you know, anytime you try to, uh, you know, and, and I'm fond of telling when I have, you know, friends on one side or another who cheer, you know, kind of the cancel culture when they cheer that, you know, somebody and, and it's on both sides, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I think it just so happens that maybe the left has a little bit more uh, control over the entertainment industry. So you see more of it from the left. But I mean, it happens on the right, too. Um, and anytime I see that, I'm always fond of saying, you know, hey, look, um, you know, censorship and sort of pushing, you know, marginalizing people is great when you agree mm -hmm. with with that. But, you know, you got to put yourself into the, the situation where, hey, in the future, you know, my idea may not be the majority idea. My, you know, this may not be, you know, uh, what, what I'm espousing may not be the popular thing. And, you know, that, that's the problem with it. it. It runs by the, you know, the whims of whoever's in charge. And so uh, I would love to see some sort of, uh, you know, maybe regulatory scheme where there are, you know, uh, mechanisms in place to ensure that, you, you, you know, a, they can't just censor people willy nilly. You said yeah. a bad, bad word, though, on the Republican side, regulation. <laughs> Ooh, that's dangerous, Rob. You're going to lose friends. <laughs> well, I mean, hey. I think I think what you're alluding to here is the fact that, you know, at its base, the idea that, you know, because in the field that I am interested in studying is spirituality and religion, um, social media has sort of democratized a lot of voices um, and given people a voice to where I can connect with people who have vastly different viewpoints from me. Um, and being here in, in Alabama, that can be tough to go to a physical place um, and hear from um, a theologian of color um, or of, uh, of a different sexual orientation. Um, and so it's important for me to hear those. But Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, um, we're the product. They've monetized our data. And so anything they can do to keep driving that, that sort of data model, um, which includes, you know, pushing us into these um, these echo chambers uh, and when, whether they intend to do that or whether that's just a byproduct of the way that they need to make money. Um, so I would agree a hundred percent that some sort of regulation um, to make it a little more, I, I don't know, I don't know if equitable is the right word, um, but a little more open source maybe. Yeah. I, uh, I, I agree with that. And uh, we're a little bit 
uh, not we're not pressed for time. We can go as long as we want, but um, because I'll just cut cut out you guys and I'll just post the podcast of me talking the whole time. No, but uh, um, but I do want to uh, regulate uh, that. So, right, I, I'm the regulator here. Uh, not up. Yeah, that's right. Warren, Warren G right there. Good Warren G. I am the decider. Re- reference. Um, but I, I want to go back to something Rob said about free speech. Uh, and uh, should the intolerant be allowed free speech? Should Nazis and, you know, right-wing supremacists or left-wing uh, Antifa, I, I don't know that Antifa exists as an organized movement in the same way that, say, Proud Boys and other groups do, but... <laughs> Should people who preach intolerance be allowed free speech? Yes. No. I, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, I, I would say with the caveat that their speech isn't uh, directly dangerous. And I, and I don't know how to define that. Right. That, that is the problem. I know that's, that's the question that Rob's going to come back with is how do you define that? Well, that is, um, that is built and, into. And, and that's a completely fair question. I'm not sure exactly how to define that. Uh, but in the same way, you know, the classic example is is yelling fire in a crowded theater. Um, well, it, it's built into the law, Andy. I mean, like right. you can't, I can't like uh, stand on the street corner and uh, basically invoke a rebellion against the government. You know, if, if I were so powerful with my words that I could do so, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you can't, there are, free speech is limited. You know, there are, I've forgotten uh, the sort of six broad categories in which you can't. Uh, right. You just say anything you want. But I, I am talking about, you know, maybe, well, you, you've put your uh, your finger on it by saying, well, how do we define what harm is? Right. And, um, you know, I, I think I guess I would argue I'm not prepared fully to argue this against uh, the, the likes of you two. But uh, I guess I would like to argue off the top of my head that say Nazism or, or some sort of extreme or, you know, someone that was advocating Islamic theocracy or, right. uh, well, you Christian know, theocracy, right. Any kind of totalitarianism, right. In which other people th- that they basically want to push everyone off the table so that they're the only people sitting at the table anymore. I, I don't think that they can be allowed to sit at the table. It's, it's the paradox of tolerance. I've talked about this once before where, you know, we want to be a tolerant society. We want to invite everybody to sit at the table, but (laughs) the paradox is you can't invite the intolerant people because ultimately, eventually, maybe through even violent means, the intolerant will push out all the tolerant folks. But there are mechanisms. And and there's probably a distinction to be prepared to protect that. I mean, we already, like you said, it's already built into the law. We have mechanisms to, uh, you know, to to protect, um, you know, from dangerous speech. Um, I guess, my, you know, but my, my, my answer, my response to, you know, that the, the tolerance thing is, is um, what's better, the devil that you know or the devil that you don't know? Hmm. I would argue it's the devil that you know. And when you allow speech, even offensive, crappy speech that just, you know, hurts your heart, you at least know who's saying it. It, 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 you know, if you allow people to the table, um, you know, it's, it's sort of a paradox, uh, you know, that violence is always the language of the unheard. It's, it's the language of people who have no other route to, 
get what they what they feel like they want. And if you try to push somebody away from the table, uh, you marginalize them, you push them underground. You no longer know what they're doing. You no longer who it is. You don't, you no longer know who it is who's espousing those beliefs. If you allow the speech, offensive as it is, look, you know who is doing it. As long as it's not advocating for, like you said, as long as it's not an incitement, if it doesn't violate the law, um, for, for over 200 years, this has worked. This mm. system has worked. What, 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 what the, to me, what, what's so amazing about this, you know, uh, if you went to that article, we, you know, you were initially talked about with NPR, if you went to the, the source of that data, um, it, it, they talked about you know, the percentages that thought that the election was legitimate or illegitimate um, and talked about how the numbers had gotten larger and further apart from 2016. Mm. Um, but what, what was interesting to me is that after in, in the days after 2016, the media breathlessly reported all about Russian interference and how, you know, th there were all these attacks on democracy and how this, you know, we can't trust uh, you know, the system. And then they want to act really surprised that people, that there's less trust now after all that reporting for four years almost. I mean, really hardcore reporting for about two up to 2018. It, it kind of died down some when we got to the 2020 election cycle. And I think, you know, the media kind of realized, okay, um, Trump's flipping this on us and making the legitimacy thing a part of his platform. So now we've got to back off that. But um, you know, they made this argue that they made this a thing. The media made this, uh, you know, th this whole concept a thing. And then they want to turn around and say, oh, well, you know, uh, now we're shocked that people don't trust this system. Um, that's, that's a that's a fair argument. However, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the the uh, the philosophical argument that two wrongs don't make a right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, maybe maybe. Uh, the abundance of reporting on Russian interference was uh, errant. Maybe it shouldn't have happened, but uh, we're in 2021 now. And this, the, the notion that the election was rigged and there being virtually zero evidence of that uh, and people believing it and acting on it uh, is insane and I, i'll go out on that limb and say it's just insane if you think that why would they fix the election for the presidency but not the senate they were on the same ballot you know why well, and trust me as 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 the resident liberal american here um if we were going to fix the election we would have put in bernie <laughs> right i mean you know, <laughs> that was the end game right and i think there has to be a distinction made between what free speech may be allowable by law um, and what we have to allow a seat at the table. Um, as you know, I, I don't have, I don't, I don't want to stand in anybody's legal right to free speech, but I'm not going to vote for a Nazi. Right. You know, I'm not going to vote for somebody who, who obviously is espousing lies. Um, and I think the problem with the, the most recent election is you had this sort of mass delusion about it being stolen and then you had a lot of politicians who weaponized it. Um, that that's actually the problem I have is that the politicians that that uh, kowtowed to their constituency. You know they were scared. You know I, I mean I 
we'll call them out. Uh, Ted Cruz and uh, and Lindsey Graham. Yeah. I mean, Lindsey Graham, Holly from Missouri, literally going against what he said. Well, I'm actually uh, the the instance I'm thinking of is when he said in 2016 when they uh, um, th- this has to do with the Supreme Court justice when he, and they didn't vote on it. And then he said, if the same situation happens in 2020, we absolutely will not vote on a nominee. But then he he completely 180 degrees uh, hypocritically voted for um, I've forgotten her name, but the most recent Supreme Court uh, justice nominee. And he did it because he wants to get reelected. And right. Ted Cruz backing Trump who at one point in time during the 2016 election called his wife ugly. If somebody Accused called Ted Cruz's dad of murdering JFK, because I mean, that makes fucking sense. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. And if somebody called my wife ugly, I mean, I don't care what your opinion of her is, but if you said it like that, I'd, I'd punch you in the fucking face. Man. Oh, yeah. One of many reasons why I'm not a politician, but uh, See, and there, and another example where violence is the answer. Well, right there. And it would have been in that instance, but Ted Cruz, full circle. Ted Cruz is, you know, he's right up Trump's ass and there's no denying it. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you, and we'll, we'll move to the last segment after I uh, throw my two yen in here. Um, I'll tell you the politicians I like, and it, it has nothing to do with Republican or, or uh, Democrat or liberal or conservative. I like genuine people. So on the Republican side, I'd vote for John Kasich all day long. Uh, I think he believes what he says. I think he sticks to what he says, even if it's unpopular. I would rather a man like that represent me, even if I don't agree with every one of his policies. I believe John Kasich is real. I believe John McCain was real, was a real guy who he he voted by conviction and he did put country before party. I would vote for people like that. And, you know, you mentioned Bernie Sanders. And I know that, um, you know, we're all from Alabama and we might have some some Alabama folks listen to this and, you know, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is probably a bad word around there, but you know what? I voted for him twice. That, <laughs> that guy, that guy has been preaching that message for 30 years and he right. stuck to it. He never, he never, uh, altered it to, to, uh, appease his, his constituency. He's been preaching that since he was the, the mayor of Burlington, Vermont. <laughs> and, um, so, and, and I'll, I'll actually borrow Rob's uh, words that I, I, I really liked one time that he posted about that. Backing a politician is that you're not getting in bed with them. You know, your vote is is more like a chess game. You know, sometimes you don't have the best move. Sometimes I can't take your queen in the in the chess match. Maybe my best move is moving this pawn one step forward. But, you know, that's what voting is. It's not like I believe everything that Bernie Sanders or John Kasich says, but I'm going to pick what I think is the best move in this particular election. Right. That's who I vote for, not Republican or Democrat. But you're not the, you're not the normal voter. And that's part of the problem. There are there are an an inordinate number of people in this country who are too, you know, I I don't want to be elitist here and and, and overly negative. But there it it seems like there's people that are just too lazy um, or possibly they're overwhelmed. I'm trying to be charitable here to actually do the work of figuring out what they actually stand for. And so they they check that box for, you know, uh, party voting, uh, you know, down the ballot because that's that's just a 
a useful heuristic for them is right. to be like, well, you know, I'm a Republican, so I'm voting for, you know, whoever has an R next to them. Yep. Um, you know, and, and, and there's, there's, there's too much of that. If, you know, we, we've got to start teaching, you know, either at the elementary level or even really with adults that look, you got to figure out what you stand for, not just jump in bed with the party and just roll with whatever they are espousing at that moment. It, and some, some people have people that they trust, like their pastors telling them, I have by myself heard a pastor preach a sermon saying that if you vote for a Democrat, uh, that you are sinning against God. That's insane. That's <laughs> um, insane. It, it is. That, it's, it's complete and total uh, just fuckery is all it is. Yeah, um, but but when you, somebody that you trust says that, uh, if, if you're not equipped to, to, to come back with that, you're going to believe it. Um, mm. And, and that, that's a shame. Uh, and, and so I know in, in our state, in Alabama, um, a lot of it, uh, a lot of religiously, if you're an evangelical Christian, you are overwhelmingly going to support the Republican Party. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I have plenty of friends who support the Republican Party for good reasons, uh, because brother so-and-so said so is not a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm. Well, Okay. <laughs> On that note, and we didn't even scratch the surface, fellas. I knew it would go like this. I mean, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even get to uh, QAnon and uh, and democratic socialism, but uh, you know, <laughs> next time. Um, at the uh, so this episode has strayed quite a bit from my usual format and theme here, and that's okay. Um, and so I'm going to bring it back uh, for a moment. Uh, I do a segment at the end of each show called Five Minutes Zen, where I try to give the listener some. Uh, you know, something to think about for five minutes. I, I tell people that this show is not for an aspiring Buddhist monk. This is just for regular folks. And I try to provide some sort of like, uh, just some insight into Zen philosophy and it's secular, hasn't it? It won't interfere with your Christianity. It won't interfere with your atheism. It's, uh, it's for everybody. It's just a way to calm your mind and live in the present moment or have gratitude for the roof over your head, the, the heat in this, uh, that's working in the winter time. Um, so, uh, here's how I'll tie it into what we're talking about today. Uh, though damaged, the world did indeed survive Donald Trump. And I will go out on a limb and say the world will survive Joe Biden and even Kamala Harris if that comes to pass. But these days, uh, a lot of people seem to freak the fuck out if their party isn't in power. Part of the show is about calming the mind. Let's at least attempt to do that now. In this polarized world today, how do you each calm your mind? And another reason I asked you on the program is because uh, you, you are, you're both level-headed people. So, uh, you know, and I think that's important these days. So just what advice would you give or what do you do on a day-to-day micro-level basis to not freak the fuck out? What, what do you do to calm your mind? Uh, for me, my spirituality, so to speak, is really tied uh, to physical things. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, running is something that I do um, that has sort of become meditative for me. Mm. Uh, spending time with people that I love, uh, the music of Wilco, 
uh, you know, just, <laughs> I mean, I'm a middle-aged white dude. Well, what, what else are you going to do? <laughs> uh, those, those things that are rooted in reality, um, you know, things that I can, I can reach out and I can speak to, I can hear from, I can hug, I can touch, I can hear. Mm. Um, that's very, those are the that's things. very Zen, Andy. It is, it is. And, and it's part of my, my, my philosophy of life that, uh, that everything is spiritual. Um, if everything is contained within the divine, which I believe in, in some way is, um, then running is spiritual, just like spending time with family is spiritual, just like church is spiritual, just like Wilco is spiritual. <laughs> there you go. Let, let's give the profane a, uh, a voice here, Rob. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I'm not near as, uh, as deep as Andy. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take somebody else's advice to me. Uh, years ago, I worked uh, when I was in college, I worked for a psychiatrist uh, who was a very, very wise, deep dude. And uh, uh, we had to, we had to do some really uh, awful, awful interviews. Uh, he, uh, he worked for the state of Maryland uh, doing examinations of like people who were claiming insanity defenses and things like that. And uh, I would sometimes, you know, have to interview family members of people who had done just horrendous things, uh, you know, like putting babies in ovens and stuff like that. And so one time we were talking about how to, you know, cope with some of this stuff. And uh, uh, he told me this, uh, this very interesting piece of uh, medical and uh, sort of emotional advice, um, uh, breathing. Um, Absolutely. Uh, he, he told me that uh, uh, breathing is the one autonomic process. You know, your body has uh, an autonomic nervous system that operates without you needing to do or think about it or, or you know, uh, control it in any way. So, you know, your heartbeat, all these things, you know, your, your internal temperature and uh, your metabolism, your body does it without you having to do anything. But breathing is the one autonomic process that you actually can control. You can kind of interrupt it. Um, and so uh, he said that was a way to tap into um you know, kind of, uh, your body and your mind and control it and, and make it do the things that you want it to do rather than just let it run away from you. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the, I think it's really super simple. It almost sounds stupid to say it. <laughs> um, but, uh, I have a thing where I will, um, you know, basically take a deep breath in that takes about five seconds to do it. And I'll hold it for five and then I'll let it out for five. And, you know, you do that two or three times and it's amazing how calm you can be and your, you know, blood pressure drops and, you know, your heart rate drops. And, uh, you know, you guys, you guys are both Zen monks. You both gave very Zen answers. <laughs> breathing, breathing, breathing is key. It's essential. Yeah. I do it all the time. And, you know, we, well, obviously we all do it all the time, but I focus <laughs> on it, you know, and to focus on your breath absolutely uh, has that positive effect that you just described, Rob. And I, and I love the, the scientific example of it, because sometimes I talk about breathing and I think people think, oh, there he goes off on that Zen Buddhist crap. And, uh, mystical. It, you know, it's 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 scientific crap, too. You know, it's, right. it doesn't, well, it's, it's mystical rooted in the physical. That's it. You know, exactly it's rooted right. like our bodies are part of that mysticism too. 
Right. And I think that that speaks to that. Well, there you go. I thank you both. Uh, if you like the show, Zen Sandwich now has a Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Zen Sandwich for a cup of coffee. Three bucks. You can become a supporter of the show. I hope to be listener supported, crowdfunded, and not ever run ads. Uh, but if you don't have three bucks, that's fine. I'm still going to keep putting out the show, and I hope you keep enjoying it. Uh, anyway, Andy Rickles, Rob Crotline, it is amazing to talk to you guys again. So good. <laughs> it was great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Absolutely, I'm, man. I don't know if the world, uh, if it's dangerous for the world for the for the three of us to get together again, because it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty dangerous twenty something years ago. But uh, oh you know, yeah, it was. <laughs> here, here we are. But uh, thank you both. Uh, come on anytime, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.